Jasmine Falk Dickerson. Welcome. You are in for a treat today. She is a Renaissance woman, an elf, an artist with a basket full of offerings. Through voice, song, movement, and connection, she has lifted all who have had the pleasure to come in contact with her. Today, I want you to meet Maura Smiley. What is there to say about Maura Smiley and where can I start? Let me just tell you that I would need the whole hour just to go over all of her accomplishments and all the things that she's done. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, I will encourage you to go seek her out, check out her website, her various YouTube channel uh, videos. She's phenomenal and amazing. Her artistry is truly uh, perfection. What I do want to do today with Mora, and I'm so excited that I got the chance to do this with her, is to talk. Talk about the stories, the inspirations the motives, uh, all the different channels in which she opens up her her offerings and her gifts to the world. Uh, I, I did start off by saying she's a Renaissance woman. I repeat it multiple times. I've said this about her so many times because she really is. I'm constantly amazed at all the things that Mora has to offer to the world through her voice, through her artistry. And today when we talk, we explore the process behind all of that, but also the process behind her connection with the world as a living entity in it, uh, her connection with her followers, her listeners, through what she has to offer and how she sees herself part of that circle and not uh, as kind of a, a person standing on a stage that's delivering to us. In Mora, I hear this beautiful repetition of kind of a a cloth where all of our threads are woven together and we share in its beautiful mastery the the art the music the voice the vulnerability of being human the imperfections of being uh, an evolutionary uh, spirit and um, kind of living embodiment so we talk about so many different things that I know you will hear yourself in you will relate to and I really hope you enjoy all the beautiful gifts and all the beautiful uh, anecdotes that we uh, explore together. Um, so yeah, let's let's go with it. Here we go, Maura Smiley. In my world, I was standing strong. In my world, my heart did belong, and now it's gone. There is only. Hi, Maura. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to talk to you today. And I say this all the time, um, every time I see you. I'm so excited for us to dive into this and talk about this and sing about that. But today, the world is just quiet and silent, and we get to have this hour together. How are you? And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's such a delight. And I'm so looking forward to this conversation. And, uh, and I'm well. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm at home. I'm I have a place to shelter. I have music, and I have um, a warm place to to be and friends. And um, I'm just kind of preparing for when we get to to go out again. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And of course, 
this is the time of the coronavirus, the COVID-19. We're all at home. We're all sheltered. And it's why we are doing so many of these uh, visits online and through uh, video mediums. And I'm so grateful for technology right now more than ever. Um, yes. And I appreciate that. And so how are you spending your time? I know that you're um, working, well, you've participated in several online streaming events for artists and musicians. We've attended some and you are just fabulous. And you are also working on your own put together festival. Tell us a little bit about that and about the time you're spending um, with yeah. the stay at home. Well, as I met you in a place where we make music together, right? Yes. And the whole, we met at Alistair Fraser's uh, Valley of the Moon. Yes. Or maybe it was the Sierra Fiddle Camp. It was Valley of uh, the Moon. Valley of the Moon. Yeah. And we um, were so much in that beautiful place of everybody making music. Um, there was not much separation between the stage and the audience. We were all, you know, in the woods and learning and um, and I feel like that the need for that is going to continue um, throughout the millennia. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, I think we we do have this incredible and ever changing technology to give us ways as creative people to adapt our communication, right? So and we and so I'm I'm actually enjoying trying to learn new ways to bring music to bring that sense of connection um wherever i can so right now i'm i'm working on an online festival which is uh, a replacement for an actual festival i was doing in in july mm -hmm. and it's called the vermont big sing-along i moved back to vermont from california which which is sort of my my soul home mm -hmm. in some ways i was there for a long time but i moved back to my ancestral home here in vermont mm -hmm. to be near my family and i wanted to uh give back and do things here and so the vermont big sing festival um was an attempt to to bring a big joyous event um to a vermont summer um, and so we just had to cancel it and yeah. we're putting it online and it's been, it's been really exciting and lots of work, you know, mm -hmm. to figure it out. We are, uh, enrolling the wonderful minds of the stay at home festival, Galen Frazier, yes. Maria and Diego, oh, San yeah. Miguel, uh, are helping us to bring this festival online. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. And I could go on and maybe we will talk later about a piece that I'm writing that's about how we relate wow. as human animals, you know, as these physical bodies to technology and stay honest and stay um, truthful and stay heart centered. Yeah. Um, when we, there's we, a lot so we don't need to wait to go into that. I'm just going to preface by saying I, I've referred to you as a Renaissance woman so many times because you are, you're a singer, you're a composer, a multi-instrumentalist, you use your body to create sound and music and relate to others. You're a teacher, you're a performer, all these wonderful things. Um, you're also um, just a, a, a fellow traveler with a message mm -hmm. that goes beyond all the ways in which you express yourself. So let's dive into that. You just touched mm -hmm. upon something really relevant in our time now, you know, nowadays with all these different modalities in which we communicate, in which we connect, in which we express ourselves. So let's go there. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, and this, you know, that you're doing a podcast is so exciting. We listen to, I learn so much from podcasts, you know, that's sort of my school. Yeah, me too. Days. Yeah. And I, I also love following you, Jasmine, on the socials because I feel like you keep, um, you keep also, you're very bright and the, and the, the feeling that I get whenever I, I, come across something you've posted is of a lift, you know, and, and that's, um, that's an, it's actually an incredible thing and something that I don't understand, you know, when that happens, it's partly because I love that person, but it's also how somebody's putting something across Mm -hmm. in this very abstract medium. You know, I don't get to see you, but I see what you put up. Um, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to write a, I am going to write a piece that I'm calling the pool. Um, that's I'm calling it an oratorio because I think of it as like a bunch of singers, um, and a bunch of cell phones and other technology, um, interacting in this performance space wow. um, <laughs> and kind of bringing the, the social media and, the cell phone uh, um, into this place of performance because honestly we are performing online. Oh yeah, <laughs> all you know even more yeah. now. And um, I'm fascinated with this uh, the very old tale, the myth of Narcissus. Mm. And Narcissus, wow. um, the most famous part of his story is when he looks down into this pool Mm. and sees himself and falls in love. And then there's this whole story that unfolds, but what are we doing when we look into social media and, and our phones, you know, as if they, as if that device is the new pool, you know, and, how do we, yeah, how do we call ourselves? <laughs> I have goosebumps, uh, honestly. <laughs> this is this is insane. Wow, oh. what what a brilliant connection you've just made. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope, I hope that, I, that there's, I mean, there is an incredible depth with just that story. And I hope that, that I can, you know, use music and art um, to try to tell this story as I feel it now, you know, with what's going on now. Um, And so that's sort of a big project that has, um, there's not a specific destination, but like a lot of my thoughts are Mm -hmm. going into it, you know, and my writing. Um, So I have a lot of scribbles about it mostly. I'm so excited to see the end result of this because I feel like it's, it goes beyond the entertainment and Mm -hmm. the voyeuristic aspect of that storytelling it's it's kind of a meditation and an invitation to go within and to really kind of analyze ourselves our society our communities our connections it sounds like it's a deeper um masterpiece than you know than than because music operas classical symphonies um you know big works have invited us to change ourselves not just to be entertained amused or, or feel an emotion. It's really an invitation to go within. Yeah. Yeah. And confront ourselves and, um, yeah, uh, have a mirror up against us. And, um, I mean, this comes back down to me practicing for this last tour that I did with, with, um, Voco and it's just vocalists. 
So we're standing mostly facing the front. You know, it's five of us on a stage and we're facing front. And we don't have instruments to concentrate on. We're just singing out. And so I was practicing in a mirror and, you know, some of the songs that I didn't know as well. Um, And it was so hard. Mm. It's because how do you... How do you look fiercely and honestly at yourself, literally, you know, in a mirror and also, you know, in a more philosophical way? Um, And that's what I think good art is trying to do is to offer up mirrors. Um, So, yeah, I mean, not that I kid myself that I get that I do that, that I create that all the time. Um, But it's it's definitely something. Well, with that story that I'm uh, and of the story of Narcissus that I'm interested in um, pursuing more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Maura, when did you discover all of your hidden talents? Because I'm always curious to go back at the beginning, right? This is storytelling time. And all of us have a story that we tell today, but the story really has a behind the scenes story as well. And that behind the scenes story has a behind the scenes story. So it's kind of this endless cycle of, you know, creating what is today. And so when did you, when, what is your memory of when you discovered that, oh, I can do this. I'm actually Mm -hmm. good at it. I can see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And did it all come together at the same time? Or was it like moments of growth in every vein of this beautiful masterpiece that is your (laughs) artistry? You're really too generous. And I love this idea of a story back into a story like the like those russian dolls yes. and it's really true, um that you can still you can unpack and unpack i think one of the first musical memories that i have is being at a, a show at at the nearby college where near where i grew up in middlebury middlebury college and a bunch of the students um that were kind of in this I, you would call them like a hippie community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love them were, already. <laughs> yeah, you can picture. They were putting on a performance, and it was called a focusstra. And it was uh, every kind of instrument. They were all like everybody, all these kids, you know, were had all kinds of instruments. And, and they were going to improvise the whole thing, the whole performance. And I must have been, I don't know, maybe eight or nine or something. And my parents were friends with a couple of these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say kids, they were, you know, college kids sure. or just outside. And I, you know, so we went and I just sat there with my mouth open. I mean, I don't know. I don't really <laughs> remember what I, but I remember feeling so um, in love with mm-hmm. this experience of watching people play and, be really serious, be really devotional, which I think is a lot wow. of what music is, is devotional. Um, such and a good word. That is such a good word. It is. Yeah. yeah. And um, they had hung a piece of metal, like a, like a, a wobbly piece of metal, like a piece of, sh- of roofing, say. And you could, um, I was allowed to hit it, you know, with like a, with a, a drumstick or something. And I felt so honored Mm -hmm. that I got to hit this, this thing that, that was, you know, not a musical instrument, but it was, it made this incredible sound. So that I remember as being 
um, one of the first magical musical times. Wow. Um, And I was going to say that, you know, through the process of having that exposure, something was planted in your own bones because I've, you know, I've attended several of your workshops at camp. And in fact, I attend all of your classes at camp because they're my absolute (laughs) favorite. And we go down in the redwoods and sing like elves and fairies. And uh, I've also witnessed you in workshops um, do this magical. Yes. When you did this magical thing that you turned all of our voices into an orchestra and you conducted us in a way that was so kind of um, spontaneous, organic, and completely improvisational. And that was magical. And as you described this wonderful, you know, um, hippie orchestra that, that invited (laughs) all sorts of sounds, that's exactly where I went. I went to that beautiful, sunny spring day in Seattle a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. when you just directed us all in this fabulous uh, we That's were in, so in, in, in Ian's beautiful yard in his wonderful um, yes. home studio, and it was just magical. And so that moment was such a catalyst for you that propelled you into everything else that you've done after that. Um, when do you remember? Okay, first of all, let's go to your education. Okay. Did you study music? I studied music um, from when I was about six years old. I studied classical piano. And I loved it and was very over serious about it. And that took me um, into, it was piano that took me into music school. So I started doing what, what um, camps like, Mm -hmm. but not fiddle camps. They were chamber music camps. So it was very classical, um, classical music oriented and um, played in chamber, chamber music ensembles and went to, got a scholarship, you know, at a conservatory. Um, and the one I ended up at was Indiana university, which is called oh, the wow. one of the best. Um, yeah. The really good school. It's a really big school. Yes. Um, and it's known maybe most for, well, some of its teachers were kind of famous, mm-hmm. um, you know, European from the European stream, um, string teachers. And, uh, and it's known for its opera school. So yes. I went there as a pianist, but then I uh, started falling asleep in the practice rooms. Oh, no. I couldn't keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was at the same time having so much fun singing folk music. Um, and Bloomington, Indiana, the town that's around IU, had a lot of musicians that came um, came through Indiana maybe to do with the folklore department, which was all also very strong, especially in the 70s, 60s, mm-hmm. 70s, into the 80s. So there were a lot of um, people in the community that were doing folk music, you know, fiddle music, dance yeah. music. And um, so I was starting to find, I think, what ended up being my calling, which was using my voice um, to to be with people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and the piano was uh, too lonely, I think, for me. I mean, I love it, and I deeply respect the craft of playing an instrument like that. But um, I left it, and I ended up studying even more nerdy music called early music, um, which was medieval Renaissance and Baroque music. Whoa. Everything I can totally know. see that influence, though, in everything you do. Yes. Um, and so that that kind of launched me into um, 
into the career that I, that I have now, um, I should say that before that growing up in Vermont, I was exposed to a lot of folk music, traditional folk music through your um, family or through just the cultural setup yeah, in which you lived in. I would say, um, my family, because we, you know, my father played banjo, my mother sang, um, they were very passionate about music and we got connected to a group of people that were studying folk music, especially folk singing. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all with, um, well, yeah, Appalachian music and then, um, shape note singing, which yes. is this folk hymn style. I just uh, actually took a whole class in shape note singing. It was, oh, cool. it was magnificent and very hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's really, it's, it's definitely on the page. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a written, it's kind of focused on the written thing and it, but it's got a, it's a, it's got its own huge repertoire. Um, and it's very idiosyncratic and you sing, um, the cool thing that I feel like I learned as a kid that a lot of kids don't get is that I learned how to sing at the top of my lungs. I, I learned that that was okay. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I appreciate that now. Um, because I learned a lot about singing off a microphone, no microphones anywhere. And, um, so how do you make sound when, when that's the case? Um, yeah. So that was my childhood for sure was old music. Um, and, uh, and then I think only in the last 10, 15 years have I put together the composing impulse Mm -hmm. and the the songwriting impulse with this love of old music and, and being a performer. So, um, I, I would now only now call myself a singer and a composer, but I don't, that's wild that, I mean, I, I love hearing the evolution from your perspective Mm. because those are all kind of the, again, I use the same word, the behind the scenes that maybe many people don't know. They don't know the process. And yet during that time when you were going through it, the people around you witness that, but then the minute you evolve into something else, it is easier to forget the process and to kind of just picture the end result. Um, yeah. As a composer today and as a songwriter and a singer and again, a performer, what would you say is the reason why you do it? Why do you do what you do? Because this is what I'm really interested in. We have so many talented people in the world. It's almost uh, it's almost overwhelming. You can't really... Um, yeah pick, you know, uh, and yet every time we do pick something and pay attention and listen to and follow them, there's just something about that offering that is so magical. And so I want to know what happens to you and why you've chosen this path. What, what is it that you not only want to give the world, but what does it also give you? Yeah, it's a such a, a beautiful and deep and difficult question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, you know, the metaphors come out like, well, it's like when you cook something and you and you give it to somebody and or you taste it with somebody and their face lights up, you know, and they go, ah, mmm, um, or or maybe it's if if you drink, it's like um, taking a sip of a very distilled spirit, you know, that Mm. there's, you can taste time and care and intention. 
Um, so there's that pursuit of the craft that is, um, <laughs> relentless and, um, and it's, it's a wonderful driver. Um, it, so that's one of the why, one of the whys. Mm -hmm. And another one is community. And I'm an introvert and I feel like music is one of the languages I speak with ease. And that's, I don't speak a lot of languages wow. with ease. Mm. It is one of those wow. more easy ones. Um, and so it's a way that um, to feel fluency, to feel a channel between myself and other human beings. Um, so it's almost like what some people use as their spiritual practice. It's almost, you know, people use religion yeah. as a means to evolve personally and evolve collectively. And what mm -hmm. you describe with that art form for yourself is exactly what it sounds like you're getting out of that. So it's almost, one can say, a religious experience. Because I know for me it is. It is. Yeah. I I, I now, I, I, uh, I can't dispute it. And I think the more that, I think you're a meditator also, and the more that I, I keep meditating... I, the more I feel that the experience of getting out of my head of the place between the thoughts is where music is, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, the joy of the now I, this is, you know, kind of overused, um, words, but right. the joy of being in my body mm -hmm. and, um, and not thinking about the future or the past is what music is. Okay, me. you literally just said the word that is the perfect segue into what I really want to kind of go into right now. And you said the joy of being in my body. And that's, I have to confess, is one of the biggest struggles for me. Um, I've been a dancer my whole life growing up. That's kind of what kept me sane because I grew up very sheltered and in a very oppressed society and dance for me in my bedroom alone was like my escape. And as I grew older and my body then became a vessel that produced children, um, I love and respect it, but I disconnected from it because all of a sudden my focus shifted on these other bodies and entities and humans that I kind of co-created. And it became uh, a little more scary and intimidating and almost anxiety inducing for me to be in my body, which then obviously became part of, you know, my own journey with, you know, health struggles and breast cancer and celiac and things like that. And so that I know is why, you know, we have these um, moments of clarity. You are perhaps the most comfortable person in your body that I've ever met. Because I, I, again, your performance and your music is not just vocal, you're, you use your body a lot, you know, the body percussion, you move with such grace. And I'm not saying this now to, you know, make you feel uncomfortable, embarrass you. I, I am saying it to really create context for the listener. It is truly, you and Nick Garris, for me, are the two physically wow. most stunning visual beings when you perform, because there is this total ease in your body. Wow. I would love for you to talk to me about how First of all, have you always been comfortable in your body? Were you athletic? Um, were you a dancer? Or, or 
Is this something that you discovered through the gift of finding your voice? Yes. Emphatically, no, I wasn't always comfortable in my body. (laughs) Um, And I was a kid lost in my head for a long time. And it um, took getting Crohn's disease um, Mm. and, and not knowing that I had it for a while to start to wake me up to that connection that you're talking about yeah. or or to say it another way that to see the disconnection that had happened wow. between my ambition and my thoughts and my intentions you know sort of the brain work um and my body my joy my desire um i really didn't know um that second list of things I didn't know very well, you know, in my early twenties and through my teens. And I think that happens to a lot of us. We don't grow up with a real comfort or language about our bodies. Um, Bodies, even the word body is shamed, you know, is, Oh, that's a little, mm, I don't know if you should say that word. It's a little like sexual, (laughs) a little sensual. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, or if it's not that it's you, it's kind of gross, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, this, my body is too much this or too much that, or, or aches uh, and pains and yes, health related sort of medical. And, um, And I think what I do, what I do sort of uh, feel grateful about is that music put the two things together, mind and body, if you will, or that feeling of, of joy, desire, craft, it does put it together. Like that music does that, it glues that together. Um, And so it was doing that for me wow. way before I was, I was doing it in the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, yeah, I think it was, it was a real struggle. And I, and I feel like I almost feel like I made my own self sick, you know, as far as wow. having an autoimmune disease. Yeah. That's a tricky thing to say, but I, 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 I hate to, you know, kind of, uh, also kind of announce it, but I agree with you 100%. In fact, I don't mm-hmm. hate. I love to support that thought because it, it is true. And it's not in any way a self-punishment or a self-accusation. It's almost like it's it's empowering to know that. It's empowering to recognize that that we have that kind of control. Yeah, it is. And we, if there are people like you, and that's part of the reason that when I see something that Jasmine posts, then I feel a lift because I feel this is somebody who's paying attention to the animal, the monkey, the, the, um, the part of us that's actually pretty much running the show, but, but the rest of us, you know, our psyche doesn't always admit it. And I feel like you are saying, take care of yourself, you know, honor yourself in this way, in this really physical way. And, and the rest will follow. Yeah. The rest will, will be, will be better because of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, the physicality is a big, 
um, is a big joy. I actually, because of this time of, of Corona, uh, just had a lesson with one of my heroes. Her name is Shara Warden. Mm. She has a group called My Brightest Diamond. And oh, we wow. talked about, you check, check her out. I absolutely um, will. She has a stillness and a grace about her in her voice and in her body um, that I envy because I'm still kind of almost acting out sometimes when I sing, like acting out in a way, like almost like a tantrum, almost like a, I love that. Have to let this go. Ah, you know, that kind of, ah, let me out. Uh Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And I do, I, I do love artists that have that, but I love it if there is this container, this fierceness and this kind of rumbling quality of, of the creative force. But in Shara, I see her contain it beautifully. Wow. Um, and I feel like she makes herself into a channel, whereas sometimes I break the channel um, of, uh, I don't know, I don't know whether it's spirit or literally, we talked a lot about the way that when you sing, if you put a crook in your neck, think about putting your head back. Mm. And, you know, you can sometimes make less space in your neck or your body and, and, and make tension in your body. And we talked about ways to not do that. So I'm fascinated with how best the body makes music. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I can hear you describe her almost like mother earth where it's Mm -hmm. there, it's contained with all of its magic in a way that's so perfect really there's no other word and yet what you describe about yourself and the way you express yourself with the quote-unquote temper tantrums there's such a need for that though there really is because even mother earth has its storms and tornadoes and it's you know uh, hurricanes and and all of that that is that seems disruptive and destructive and temper tantrumish but without that there is no cleanse cleanse there is no pruning the Mm -hmm. fires are necessary to rejuvenate and rebirth a new forest and uh, giving ourselves permission to have those moments of tantrum, I think only enhance those mm-hmm. moments of, of containment and quietness yeah. and stillness, right? And you do, mm-hmm. I mean, you do do that. I know that within you, there's always that question because we never are satisfied with how we do it, but you definitely put that all out and we are mm-hmm. picking it up. I do want to talk a little bit about because you have traveled so much with your music. You have been in so many projects. Unfortunately, I can't list them all on this podcast. I encourage any listener right now that does not already know Mora and all the wonderful things that Mora has done, go on her website. It is a beautiful website. It is so well designed and expressed with so many offerings of all your different uh, projects and and works. Um, your album, uh, Unzip the Horizon, is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, again, you've done projects with so many different performers and so many different groups, Solas being one of probably the most uh, acclaimed and highlighted that we know in the folk world and beyond. Um, yeah. And so you've traveled a lot. I, I am very curious about your travels. I am curious about how culture and the exploration of culture, not only your own, but that of the beyond, has influenced you, again, as a person, as an artist. Let's let's dive into culture, because that's my favorite topic, and one that I have seen 
uh, constantly show up in all of your music, whether you're borrowing from, you know, from Africa, some of the percussive sounds, or whether you're, you know, channeling the Irish goddess in your voice, uh, you do play the banjo, the accordion again. And so there's all these instruments that are coming from cultures that have, you know, been around for centuries. And we've... Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't see it in any shape or form in appropriation. It is a total celebration, a borrowing of the heart and soul. Let's mm-hmm. go there, Amora. Okay, good. <laughs> I um, I think the the first impulse that I had to go and and study with somebody and study um, with uh, a music a musician in a culture who who belongs to a culture that's different than my own. Um, came early and it for sure came from having a teacher or several teachers when I was a kid who came back from places far away and brought really cool stuff Mm. and said, try this and, um, here's how it goes. And you can make your voice sound like this and try these little ornaments and just that sense of of having something new and, and just a whole new taste in my mouth. I mean, literally when you sing also, and you try other timbre, timbres or colors, if you want, they feel really different in your mouth. So yeah. that just, it's such a pleasure. Yeah, I um, the other thing was that I had a sense as a young person, and it's starting to fade now that I'm becoming an old person, <laughs> is that I didn't feel like I knew myself and I kept on wanting to, um, I, I kept on wanting to find situations in which I could say, I don't know. Mm. I don't know this. And, um, I grew up in a household that was very much about knowing, like we need to know this we need to categorize that and we need Mm -hmm. to label this. Um, very American, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And very Northern European. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so if I was learning from people that were outside of the sort of bandwidth that was taking up the most space in my life, then I was getting out of, of having to know, you know, I could just be a student and, uh, that was that was a really dynamic, beautiful part of being um, a student of folk music. You know, going to Ireland, going to Eastern Europe, um, singing these folk songs that were, in a way, the top forty of their day. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. but um, but we're forgotten at this point. And uh, yeah, I think the other. Uh, thing, yeah. So the, it's plumbing the unknown. Um, the other impulse that I've always had, I've always had the impulse to pay attention to the underdog, whatever that wow. is. That sense that, wow, stuff is unfair. Yeah. How can I pay attention to somebody who's not getting a fair deal, you know, or sure. 
the attention they need. That started kind of young. Um, and we are, so I think, we are such kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah, this is work you do, Jasmine, um, much more than I do. Oh, I it, I don't uh, think there's I don't think there's a scale. I think there's never enough. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Actually, it makes me kind of emotional oh, yeah. to think about because I because um, yeah, I think that's really important work, and it's actually hard to concentrate on because then you have to make a living and you have to, um, there, there's always this drive towards, um, doing the shiny thing. But I think, um, I'm interested in, in singing for those who have been silenced, um, and going and going to those places that make me afraid that my culture tells me I must be afraid of. Yeah. Um, and trying to feel them with my own body and um, ask questions. Yeah, I I will say one of the things that I find very appealing about your offerings as an artist is that they feel um, they feel equally culturalistless mm-hmm. and cultureful. I know those are words I'm making up right now, but it it kind of brings the idea of Uh, There is no kind of separation between the two in what you offer. But at the same time, there is this like absolute, it's it's like some people you can definitely tell this is the sound they are offering. This is the representation they're bringing. And it's wonderful and beautiful and necessary to preserve culture and the arts. You, you've borrowed and you've created so delicately and so thoughtfully that there is this almost like, um, it's, it's like a tie-dye. You know, when you, when you create tie-dye, you don't yeah. see where one color begins and where the other one begins that's and where they cool. end. They just kind of amalgamate into each other. And that's kind of what I've always sensed in your music and in your offerings is just that. I feel that, and thank you for expressing it like that, the the idea of knowing even what is like, oh, this is really cool music and that is not, or this is really quote unquote good. And that is not, I actually have trouble with that sometimes. And I think that's why I love teaching because I'm often met with somebody coming to me and saying, I don't know how to do this. Can you give me a sense of knowing or a sense of belonging? And I think um, it gives to be able to, to try to do that gives me a sense of belonging and, um, which I, which I often don't, I don't often feel native. I often don't feel native to any place. Um, and I think, but at the same time, I, I just have this feeling, you know, that, that we are struggling as humans together, you know? And, um, and I guess that, uh, yeah, I like that you said that there's a culture, culturelessness and a culture fullness Mm -hmm. because, and because that is true of my music, I think because of the people in my life. And if I had grown up differently, maybe as a suburban kid, um, listening to pop music and, you know, and in a totally different sort of petri dish i probably would have turned out really differently but for sure maybe some of those same elements of 
of wanting seeking fairness would have been there. Um, but it might not have been with folk music that I, I searched. You would have, you would have come up with what you're already doing, no matter what you would have found your way home. <laughs> I actually posted on Instagram just the other day. I, I go on, I live you know, in the Pacific Northwest, I'm, I'm literally in the forest, I couldn't be happier. And every day I go on my walk right around my house, I'm surrounded by evergreens and forest trees. And this is the neighborhood that I live in. And I, I made the comment that I am a hobbit that was born in the desert, but found my way home back to this very quickly. <laughs> and it's very, very true. And so it doesn't matter what that route would have been for you, you would have ended up doing exactly what you're doing. And part of what you do, what you expressed is wanting to lend a voice for lack of a better metaphor, lend a voice to those voiceless. You've done it through, you know, um, outreach, teaching, and um, working with different programs. I also know that you work with the youth a lot. Uh, you yeah. work with the youth choirs and talk about voiceless entities in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the youth are so uh, underrepresented in their ability to tell us what they need and what they want, and yet they outnumber us in bodies. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about your work with the youth. You know, um, well, tell me about the projects and then tell me about how that feeds you and where do you see this going? Yeah, I I feel like I'm, I wouldn't call myself um, any sort of expert in that. You know, there are people that are trained, um, to to really to truly give voice to ask the perfect questions of um, a group of people a, a group of youth youths, um, but I'd say as a musician and a composer, I'm trying to learn some of those tools of asking questions of recording um, recording a young person because uh, I don't know the answers to to what needs to happen now so that the future is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the projects actually have, have already gone in this direction. And that was uh, going to the refugee camp in the Calais jungle um, in France. And I was going there to teach music, but what I ended up doing was recording young Arabic rappers. Wow. Um, just wanted, you know, they had these, polemics they had these amazing uh spoken word uh compositions that they needed to get out there and they wanted me to to get them out for them um and and there were um and i go into high schools um these days and i mostly work with choirs because that's and music departments because that's sort of where i'm known i'm i'm sort of known in the choir world um, mostly by the way, because I use, I, I bring the body into choral music in this kind of playful, safe, but right. a little bit confronting way. Yeah. And so people bring me in to work with their students because, um, I think because I'm, it feels like I'm not going to talk down mm-hmm. to anybody. That's um, I'm going to to try to draw somebody out. Um, I'm not always successful, but um, that that's the spirit with with which I come. Um, and and so I end up getting. I write a lot of music for choirs um, 
some of them youth choirs, some of them community choirs, some of them professional choirs. Um, and I'm like, we started talking about trying to have recording and recording people's stories be more and more a part of those compositions. Um, so I'd say those are the ways that I'm I'm trying to listen. Yeah, those are those are big ways. Those are ambitious and very generous ways for sure. What project are you working on right now that's coming up that we need to make sure we are paying attention to? Even though <laughs> I have to say sometimes it is hard to keep up because you are again beautifully involved with so many artists. We got the pleasure to watch you perform with Sver you know, another magical uh, quintet okay. from um, from Sweden slash Norway. Uh, so to see you out of your solo work and into context mm. with other artists is always wonderful. I, I, I'm always excited to see what you're creating yeah. next. What do we have on the horizon to look for? Well, it's sort of easy to forget right now because of the, there's so much cancellation, but yes. um, what was happening, what was coming up, immediately was um hmm. well i was gonna sing on live from here the radio the radio show absolutely um that chris Thiele, um puts together and i was gonna do a um gathering of choirs at carnegie hall wow. um mm. doing m- my music that was coming up in the next month um and and then organizing a big festival we talked about that earlier yeah. the vermont big sing um, and, uh, and then lots of traveling around doing a combination of, of collaborations. Yeah. I would, we've Sphere and I have mm-hmm. been talking about recording, so yes. I was going to, we were going to do that in the summer. Um, I also have, um, an old project that I'm bringing back out that's the music of Bela Bartok, the Hungarian composer, who was also like a, a folk music collector. Oh, wow. He was an Alan Lomax, if you will, you know, wow. collecting old music. Um, and I grew up playing his music on the piano, and I've arranged a lot of those for voices and percussive and stringed instruments and cello. Oh, that's um, so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I should, I should ask Dante to play. Um, I'm sure he'd love and, to. <laughs> Uh, so that's one, that's, that's another project. I have another solo album in the works and, um, at the same time, I'm just wanting to do more and more and and getting more and more commissions in which I get to work with kind of big groups of singers. Um, some of them, sometimes they're young and sometimes Mm -hmm. adults. Yeah. So speaking of creating and expressing oneself, I I have to ask you this. This has to go on the record because ever since I've known you, you've always had, you have this beautiful ginger red hair and then you (laughs) always have a streak in your hair. That's a different color. Every time it's, it's like bright red right now. I've seen it blue. I've seen it purple. Um, Tell me about that, because that is your signature look, and I love <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. Oh, it's it's actually, um, I think on my... It's like a my, feather, I will say. It's literally it like a feather. It looks a little, yeah, yeah. It looks like a feather. It's on, on the left side of my face, and it's actually just extensions. And um, when I first got it, it was uh, giving myself permission to not just be... In, in that sort of constant drive, the hustle of being a, a freelance artist, but 
um, taking time, not being just useful and a hard worker, but taking the time to do the things that you don't know where they're going to go, the creations that don't have any commercial outcome, mm -hmm. the um, just letting your freak flag fly. It was, it was that kind of permission that I was giving myself, I think, with the, with the hair. I think that was the big connection. Um, but I also just like, I love color. It was, yeah. oh, you know what? It was also when I was going out on tour with Tune Yards and... Um, that's, they were doing, you know, big rock festivals. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and, and so the bigger and more colorful you were, the better, you know, just, um, to, to be in that culture. It was, it was really different than all the sort of more small, intimate folk gatherings that, that we know. I think what, and what I love about it for you is that it, it's, um, it, it tells whoever's observing that you are, you know, beautiful and wholesome and natural and completely earthy. And at the same time, there's this splash that tells people, but I also have fun and yeah. you can trust me. You know, I think it, it reaches mm -hmm. young people in a way that feels a little more in connection with them. For me, I mean, I, I also go kind of with a earthy, plain look. That's been my vibe almost my whole life, yeah. very kind of hippie-ish. And uh, yeah. sometimes I think that is also an invitation to all kinds of people where they're like, okay, there's something less, uh, less, what's the word I'm looking for? Less refined and, and perfectly compartmentalized yeah. as a specific look or a genre, if you will, uh, a style. Absolutely. It's an invitation. It, it really is just saying to the world, I'm an artist. I guess it is. Yeah. And I love that you say that. And I only, you know, realized that I was sort of in my, in my representation, I was coming across as a hippie girl because I was sort of so in my zone that I didn't even realize that that was the identity. And I think I got, you know, at a certain time, I, I woke to that idea of yeah. this is what people see. Oh, I want to mess with that. It's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And even it's like, it's almost like a mythical hippie girl. Cause there's just <laughs> something, you know, I always, I always refer to you as, you know, a, a fairy elf. I know that you have to be one or the other, but you are absolutely both. And for <laughs> me, there is the fairy element to you, which is that element that just soars and just lifts up and goes into the realm. And then there's the elf, which is so grounded and so part of the woods and the nature and the forest. And, and you do that, you deliver that so beautifully. You are such a pleasure and a delight. I adore you. And it's no secret. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk with you forever. Um, and oh, unfortunately, our, yeah. our time is, is almost up. And I do want to have a little fun with you before we go. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, Okay, so once all of this calms down and everything hopefully gets back to normal, are, are you planning on doing some uh, teaching? Are you continuing? Or, well, first of all, the question is, are you teaching privately now during the quarantine? And also, will you continue mm -hmm. to do that? I think a lot of people would probably, you know, benefit from just having one-on-one -on -one with you. There is so much that you offer in that intimacy that mm. sometimes in the big collective is, is harder to, to just, you know, to grasp. So yeah. I am curious if you're doing, I know it's harder as you tour more, you've been so busy, but I am curious about that. Yeah. 
I love to teach and I, it's true. I've done less of it. I've done less one-on-ones, uh, because I've been on the road so much, but I do love it. And yeah, as we have our most, most of us musicians are canceled through August, 2020. Um, and so after that, we, we will try to get back out there. Um, and I think actually things will be, they'll be, as I said at the beginning, there's always going to be room for gathering. Um, and so I'll get out there and, and perform, but I think there'll be more stuff online and I'm going to try to offer stuff online. Um, you know, pre-recorded workshops and that kind of thing and try to have that set up, you know, so that I can be at home and cook up my crazy ideas. Um, but then visit people virtually. So the answer is yeah, Yeah, for, for sure. This is a good time. I, I've said this repeatedly. It's a good time to go within and just create in a whole new way. And I'm I'm really excited to see what all everyone's coming up with. All right. I do have a speed round kind of rapid fire question thing to <laughs> wrap up our session. Cause Wonderful. I love I love putting putting you on the spot. I love putting my guests on the spot with like, hey, something you never thought of, and now I'm gonna force you to answer real quick. So here <laughs> we go. Uh, dream collaboration. Mm. Um, dream collaboration. Oh goodness. <laughs> Dead or alive. How about that? I'll make it easier. Dead or alive. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> or maybe harder. Uh, yeah. I, that, that opens I, the field so much more. Think, um, but I maybe think... we can take out this pause, this huge pause. <laughs> It's good. It's all good. <laughs> today, let's say today, if someone came up to you and said, a producer came up to you and said, you get to pick today who you want to sing with. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard, Devin. <laughs> it's like that question and the, and the, who are your favorite artists that I just start to freeze? Like, I don't, I can't think of anybody that I listen to, but I think, um, I would love to collaborate with a dancer or a dancer singer. Um, And this woman, Cheryl Warden does come to mind mostly. She's wonderful. Mm. Um, And she comes to mind because we've talked about her and this is the way my brain works. There we go. You know? Yeah. I think that because she's been in my frontal lobe, I thought that would be incredible. That it yeah. doesn't get more uh, honest and organic than that, right? That's exactly what I'm looking for. Okay, I'll make it a little easier now. Favorite food? Favorite food? Well, I <laughs> on the road, I eat a lot of hummus. Oh, and yum. Hummus. Hummus, yeah, um, very good. <laughs> okay. Yep, I, I have to say that. Banjo or accordion? As a favorite? Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. It goes back and forth. Whatever I'm practicing more is what I love more. I would say the banjo is a little, a little ahead of the okay. accordion. Because you're such a banjo babe and an accordion babe. But uh, <laughs> elves or fairies? Oh my goodness! And are we talking um, sort of Lord of the Rings distinguishing? Or, oh, you okay. you can make that distinction as you please. Okay. Elves or fairies? I think elves. Okay. 
Fair enough. They're, yeah, they that's a hard one. Or body embodied yeah. to me. All right, composing or performing. Oh, that's really hard. And that <laughs> is absolutely back and forth. I think that um, once I start composing and I have to churn out something, I'm like, oh, I hate this. I want to get on the road. Mm. And once I'm out on the road, <laughs> I just go, oh, I need to be back and just doing my own thing. So it's, fair enough. it's both. Okay, fair enough. Summer or winter? Hmm. These days, Los Angeles wrecked me for winters. So I'm still, I think, summer. Okay. Fairy tales or biographies? Biographies. Same. Female hero? Do you have one? Doesn't have to be an Uh, artist. It can be anyone. Oh, I wish that I was better at answering the questions because I have, I know I have heroes, um, female hero. It can be a mythical, it just any yeah. female figure. You know, Nina Simone. Ah, that's a very good one. Wow. That's beautiful. Spirit animal. Mm, sometimes I think my spirit animal is a monkey. So I'll just go with that. Like I an orange that. monkey. Oh. That's beautiful. And the last, most important question of all, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? I have to say yes, but it does make my mouth itch. Oh, it does. The boys are celebrating that, I am sure, because they are pineapple on pizza, guys. I'm Italian. I, 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 I admit that pineapple on pizza tastes good, but I'm indignant about the process because I'm yeah. Italian. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry pineapple itches your mouth because it's such a delightfully it, delicious and, and healthy, nutritious fruit. I agree. I think it, it depends on where when, it ha- when I get to have it. If it's some ripe pineapple that I'm cutting up myself, maybe it won't make me itch. But yeah. Yeah, that just tells but, um, you our food, what what's in our food and what we eat and what we put yeah. in our bodies, whether it's something that we pick from the earth or whether it's something that we are taking in that is delivered from your beautiful vocal space of mm-hmm. treasure. Maura, you are a delight. Thank you so Thank much, you. so much for doing this. I look forward to all the many times that we will sing together and share together and uh, hopefully talk together again. I appreciate you and I see you. I see you and I, I love you and your family and uh, congratulations on making podcasts. It's Yay. so, so cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you so much. All right. Bye for now. God gave the wise man a long gray beard and he told him to walk on the land. Wise man, he come with a golden tongue and a question in each hand. This podcast is produced and recorded by Dante Falk, edited and mixed by Eros Falk. Original music by Dante and Eros Falk. Recorded in Olympia, Washington at Casa Nostra Studios. Visit the website, jasminefalkdickerson.com. Ciao for now. Mm-hmm.